so you know the things that you should be doing since you were little. Like, you know the basics, the basic tenets. Like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going around, I'm not stealing, I'm not killing, I'm not committing adultery, all that, fornicating, all that nonsense. He said, I'm not doing all that. He said, but that's only a portion of what I need you to do. And if you have not had this experience, then God bless you, then you are a better person than I. But the last point right here that we're seeing, he said, if you truly, truly want to be my disciple, give up everything. Give up everything. Give up your status. Give up your pride. Give up your education. Give up your possessions. Give up your lifetime of accumulating things. Give it all up. Give it away. And then come follow me. Will you do that? And that is where things fall apart. Like, well, Lord, you know what? I like the person that I'm, I am right now. I like all the things that I've accomplished. I, I, I love it. So, but yeah, you're missing the point. And it's not a matter of I want you to go home and sell everything that you have and you have to live in a shack and you can't drive a nice car. I'm not, that's not the point here. You need to have spiritual maturity which accompanies self-sacrificing character. That is what he is looking for today. So if we can't get past this self-sacrificing character, having spiritual maturity to get past it's not about you, if we can't do that, then this whole lesson is all for naught. Because to welcome everyone, anyone, to, to include every single person, whether you like them or not, requires you to put the, that person ahead of yourself. Yeah. So churches don't thrive because we have a collection of people that are pushing, pushing each other out of the way. So no, let me be first. No, 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 I'm sorry, let me be first. No, let me be first. No, no, you have to wait, let me be first. And you have an entire group of people just pulling at each other like crabs in a pot. When ultimately, it has to be about you go forward. Yes. You go forward. Yes. Hey, man, you know what? You look like you may need some help. Let me help you. Yes. As opposed to, I can't help you. Yes. I mean, it's true. It's true. And I think we have developed this sort of culture of competition in the body of Christ, which keeps us stunted in this tiny little place, in this tiny little box, where we truly don't do the will of God in this earth. I think they're right now somewhere around 300 million Christians in the United States. That's a lot of people. And to have that big of a block and to not see change is a problem. There is a disconnect someplace. So that's what we need to talk about. Like, yeah, you know, we want to set the earth on fire. We want to set, you know, we want people to understand and see the goodness of God and, and all of those things. But yet and still, we're not doing our part. So let's go real fast to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read 27 through 31. 
in the Message Bible. It says, you are Christ's body. So we, we know this. We've heard this already. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in his church, which is his body. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers, and those who pray in tongues. But it's obvious by now, isn't it, that Christ's church is a complete body and not a gigantic, undimensional part. It's not all apostle, not all prophet, not all miracle worker, not all healer, not all prayer in tongues, not all interpreter of tongues, and yet some of you keep competing for so-called important parts. But now I lay out a far better way for you. Stop competing because you all matter. I mean, you hear this, you hear the hashtag now, you know, black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter, the whole, all that. Well, it's true. Everyone does matter. And if we understand that there is no need for competition within the body of Christ, then it's easy for me to give you my seat. It's easier for me to pray for you because you should want to pray for me. It's easier for me to help you because you're going to want to help me. If we all doing this collectively, then you know what? It doesn't matter because in this scenario, the pastor as as important as the apostle, that's as important as the teacher, that's as important as the guy on the door because they all have to play their part. And what's happening so far is that folks inside the body are unwilling to play their part. And because they won't play the role that they're supposed to, and they're trying to do something that they're not, or we're expanding, or we have this sort of competitive drive to, oh, well, I want to be that guy, then you're out of your lane. So now the body doesn't flourish, it becomes sclerotic, because you have these parts that aren't doing what it's supposed to. The eye, his job is to see. The eye doesn't want to pump blood. It wants to see. The heart is the machine. It knows what to do. It said, my job is to pump blood. Mm -hmm. That's all it does. It said, I just circulate it around. That's all all it does. The heart doesn't want to go out and and touch things with its little ventricles. (laughs) So what's happening here, what's happening inside the church is that in our constant internal struggle, for me to be better than you, the people that need help get lost. And I had to ask for forgiveness myself. I said, Lord, forgive me for every single time that I had this competitive nature where it was about my status. It was about the seat that I had in church. Forgive me for every single time that I looked down on someone else because I thought that they were better. Forgive me for every single time where I thought that this pride that I should have in me actually turned out to be a detriment to me as a person. And we have to examine this. Because if we don't get this fixed, then you'll continue to see empty chairs. You'll continue to see the body of Christ be ineffective. You'll continue to see your prayers not get answered. You'll continue to see the other guy, the other guy flourish. Because maybe the other guy understands that it's just about serving him with all this other nonsense pushed out of the way. So so that's tough to to hear because it makes you think about your own personal behavior. You're now thrust into a scenario when it's like, okay, do I want to make this behavioral change? 
Speaking this message for the last three weeks, I think, has made me a better person. I'm probably the best version of myself right now than I've ever been. Um, Mainly because I had to get away from this sort of false image of myself and really just truly become just a real person. Flaws and all, warts and all. Um, You know, like growing up, like, mom and dad was always like, when you go out of the house, make sure you're sharp, you know, the whole deal. Because that's who you are. And I'm like, okay, I, I get it. I, all right, you know. So she knew what I should look like. She said, make sure you look like this. Now, from that to whatever it is that I decided was that image, it was like night and day. And I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm like, all right. Let me, let me get back to ground zero. Lord, show me what it's like just to serve you. Show me what it's like just to love you for you. You know, and I've been talking about this for a while, is that, you know what, I love the idea of being a prosperous person. I love this idea. I love the concept of it. I love the reality of it. Like, yes, I want to be prosperous no matter what I do. But at some point in time, that took over my thought process, and it wasn't a matter of, Lord, let me serve you. It was, I want to be rich. And if that happens because I'm serving you, great, but, you know, your, the prosperity message in my head got perverted to a point where it, it didn't even require God. And at this point, there are some of us that fall into this category, where it's like, you know what, I, what am I doing? We are out of control. Like, I'm just not understanding what I should be doing on a daily basis. Because right now, I'm not connected to you. And if I'm not connected, or if I'm out of sync, how am I supposed to come here and connect with you? How can I help you if I'm off axis? So that's the reason why we have to get this sort of squared away first and kind of just get back into alignment so the car can run straight, not across the road. So I'm like, all right, Lord, you know, let's let's figure it out. He said, so Dave, you know what, kill that old, uh, that rich young ruler. He's got to go. I need disciples. Are you willing to be a disciple? Um, Yes. Are you willing to be a disciple? Yes, I am. He's like, okay. Well, then you have to understand what self-sacrificing character looks like and what that means. And that means putting other people in front of yourself. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I get it. Real fast, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 4. And um, I keep, I, you know, I love the message translation because it just, it just makes more sense to me. It speaks in my sort of crazy language. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 4 says, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down. Start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it, because he'd never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. 
He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in that place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging, failing, floundering in your faith, go over to that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. When you hear this, this will shoot adrenaline into your very soul. This will shoot adrenaline into your very soul if you get back to basics. Clear away all of the nonsense that has now created a disconnect between you and God. And if there's a disconnect between you and God, there's definitely a disconnect between you and the guy sitting next to you. I was disconnected. I, I got lost in sort of my own, like, oh, this feels right. Well, let's just do it. And what he's asking for right now, I said, listen, you lost your focus. I said, this is the end result. Stay straight on this road right here and don't make any detours because that's where I need you to go. He's trying to get the body of Christ together so that we can all get to this one point together. And not of us going this way, that way, this way. said, I need you to get focused. Because I need you guys to do a mighty, powerful work here. And right now, I am sitting on my hands waiting for you guys to get your act together. The Great Commission talked about restoring every single person back to God the Father. So it's going to require all of us now to get all of these people back into the family. Mm -hmm. This is what is required. said, not your own personal agenda, but just get back to what I asked you to do. What I asked you to do the very moment I decided to climb up on that cross and die for your sins was just to believe me because I need to use you. That's it. So that's all I need you to do. He's like, understand, you need to look to God. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. He said, and if you continue to do that, then the detours won't really be a detour anymore because you'll be focused on exactly what you need to see. Like horses, when they run, they have blinders on. So they can't be distracted. He said, I have to fix you first so that we can bring more people here. The people are coming. The people are coming. They are going to get here. And we have to make sure that the ground is fertile so that they flourish when they get here. So we don't act like weed killer and choke them out when they get here. See, because so many times the church, the body itself, has acted as that thorny soil. Like, yeah, you can leave it here, but we're going to choke the life out of you. So it's not really a place for everyone. It's really a place for the people that I want. And guess what? It's not your job to make that call. It took me a long time to get to that point to understand that, you know what? The body of Christ isn't determined by my own personal feeling. He said, you don't get to decide who gets in and who gets out. You don't. Neither do you all. Contrary to popular belief. I'm like, okay, Lord, all right, I get it. Real fast, let's go to Ephesians, real fast. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, in the Amplified Bible. It 
says, therefore, rejecting all falsity and being done with it now, let everyone express the truth with his neighbor, for we are all parts of one body and members one of another. So now, the reason why this is important to me is because um, if the church is about unity, then we all have to interact from an honest standpoint. It says reject all falsity. It said reject it. Get rid of it. Let me give you an example. So, new people will come to church. You know, they may not be saved, they may not know the Lord, any of that. So they'll come in, and they'll get saved. And that old man gets thrown away. But what happens is that believers in church will still judge this new creature by the old person that right. they used to be. Right. So when it talks about rejecting this falsely, it's like, no, that's not true anymore of them. This is who they are. Yeah. They are new here. So embrace the new person that you see in front of you yeah. and make sure that we prune them and we clip them and we make them nice and we keep them pretty and that we keep everyone else at bay from destroying this precious little flower That's that right. just came in here right now. Yeah. That's our job. He said reject falsity. He said reject your, your preconceived notions of people. Reject your preconceived notion of who you think you are. Because the only measure right now is this barometer that we call the Bible. Amen. Amen. That's it. See, because he doesn't care about your status. No. He cares about your heart. That's right. Amen. So, so maybe, just maybe, just maybe, we need to think about um, sort of what we're living, what we're believing, what we're saying, what we're speaking. Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. And, uh, Media, you're going to have to let me know how much time I have. So, Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, and I want to read this to you in the Amplified. It says, In this new creation, all distinctions vanish. There is no room for, and there can be neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, nor difference between nations, whether alien, barbarians, Scythians, who are all the most savage of us all, nor slave or free men, but Christ is all and in all, everything and everywhere to all men without distinction of person. Now, that's a lot to say. But the moment you come into this family, there are no more distinctions. But yet we keep embracing the falsities of who these people were or what you think they are or what you think you should be doing. We keep embracing that as opposed to rejecting it and understanding that Christ's point in living, dying, resurrecting was to make sure that every single person got restored regardless of where they came from, their family status, regardless of any of it said, all of these new creations, we all look alike now. said, we all look alike. And when we decide that we actually are going to start living and breathing and operating this way, that is when you'll start to see this body flourish. Because at that point, it's like, you know what? We're family. Now, I love my brother dearly. I will do anything for my brother. Anything. 
I mean, I'll bury people in a yard for my brother. Yes, I just said that on TV, but that's okay. And it's on tape, so if anything happens, I've just incriminated myself. But because he is my brother, and we share genetic makeup, and we share parents, we share experiences, but we have this community, this community bond here, I will back him no matter what. And it's that bond that actually has to be forged between believers, because we are now part of the same family. We serve the same God. We serve the same Lord. We're indwelt with the same spirit. So why would we not embrace everyone, as opposed to rejecting them because of their perceived distinctions? So, we have some explaining to do. We got to think about it. We have to think about it. Romans chapter 12, verse 5, and we're, we're going to wrap up pretty soon. And the reason why I bring all this to you is because without it, what's the point? We serve a magnificent, glorious God, and we should want to share that experience with every person that we know. This true experience. So Romans chapter 12, verse 5, says, So we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ the Messiah, and individually we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on each other. So we know this. We've said this, you know, this three weeks now. You have to, if you don't understand by now that we all need each other, then I really don't know what else to tell you. But it's very clear that this is what has to happen. And when we had talked about this um, a little earlier, it's like, let me show you a better way, a better way of doing this, so you don't have to get trapped up in the nonsense. Here's your better way. So verse 9 says, let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil, loathe all ungodliness, turn in heart from wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, as members of one family giving precedence and showing honor to one another. This is how we are going to change the world. This is how we're going to change the world. And a minute ago, we talked about rejecting this sort of false narrative. It says, let your love be sincere. Let your love be a real thing. And this kind of ties back into the point that we're making about the rich young ruler that you know, he was willing to do almost anything except for that one last little bit. And I feel like love is the final frontier for the body of Christ. Like it should be the first thing that we adhere to, but for us it's the last thing that we want to hold on to, this love thing. Because we have folks, all right, I'm not going to say we. I have been a person. I said I was going to talk about me, I'll talk about me that I will tell you, I love you. But I don't really. I don't really care about you. I don't really like you. In fact, I more than likely probably hate you. But I am proficient in living my own false narrative. I am proficient in accepting this false lie that I have built up or this fake image that I now need to put on so I look good when I come into church. 
Now, you may not want to admit that, but it happened. It's probably happening right now. And that's okay, but when we leave, it can't happen anymore. See, because we talk about let your love be sincere and let it be a real thing. We can't be stitched together in love if the love that we're trying to stitch together is false. That's not love. That's a lie. It's, it's, it's stupid. It's dumb. What's the point? What's the point of following all nine of the commandments but not the last one? And then if that's the case, then don't do any of them. If you're not going to love, then you know what? Then forget about it. Then leave. If you're not going to do this part, then forget about it. If you're not really going to be real, like, you know what? Like, our interactions have to be real. Like, I got to be able to walk up to you and I have to be able to feel comfortable in saying, you know what? I messed up. Not only did I mess up a little bit, I messed up a lot of bit. And I have to be comfortable to tell you that where yes. you don't judge me. That's right. That's right. I have to be comfortable enough to come into this building and lay myself bare yes. and everyone say, you know what? I've been there too. Yes. Let me help you. Yes. You know what? I understand what you're going through. Yes. That's true love. True love is being able to say, you know what, I will do for you even though I know you don't like me. Yeah. See, because we have to get past the days where you walk into church and you don't talk to anybody. Right. We have to get past the, well, you know, they took my seat. Or that person said something to me 10 years ago. Or you stepped on my toe one time. Or you know what, I don't like the car that you drive. Or I don't like your clothes. Or I think your kids are this. Or I think your kids are that. Or any of that. Like all of this other nonsense has to get erased. Because we have to be one family. We have to be one family serving one God, listening to one Lord, filled with one spirit. And until we get to that point, nothing you do will ever work. Okay, we said it. I'm sorry. Will you allow me 10 more minutes and I'll be done? I'm, 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 I'm really trying. Let's go back to Colossians real fast. Colossians 3. And we talked about getting rid of those distinctions, making them vanish. So Colossians 3 and 12 in the Amplified says, Close yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, his own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-being, well-beloved, well-loved by God himself, by putting on behavior, by putting on behavior, marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy, kind feeling, lowly opinion of yourselves, gentle ways, patience, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. Mm, mm, mm. Be gentle and forbearing with one another. If one has a difference or a grievance or a complaint against another, readily partying, pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so you must also forgive. It makes no sense at all for believers to say that they love God and not forgive each other. Right. When God himself sent his son down here to die yes. to forgive you of your sins, yes. you are no better than 
than Jesus. So what makes you think that you can't forgive somebody? He's like, this is what you got to do. He said, even if there's an ought and you have a problem, let's talk it out. Like, I'm not going to live this false lie anymore. Like, I'm not going to hold it against you. I can't. I can't because I'm commanded to forgive you and to love you. And God forbid that I hold unforgiveness in my heart. When God himself forgave me when I was a tiny little wretch, disgusting, dirty, filthy, abhorrent, and living my life in direct opposition to God himself, he still decided to send his son down here and die for me. But you can't get over the fact that somebody called you out of your name one time. That somebody sat in your seat at church. That's, that's, that's dumb. That's the only way to describe it. That's just stupid. That's just stupid. Where you won't receive all that God has for you because we can't live by these rules here. Let the words spoken by Christ the Messiah have its home in your hearts and minds. This is verse 16. And dwell in you all its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another and all insight and intelligence and wisdom and spiritual things as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody to God with his grace in your heart. Now, the interesting thing here is that we talked about all of these wonderful things The message says, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other and in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. Cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your life Words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. A room for everyone requires that you have a room for everyone, not just in your mouth, not just in your head, but it's got to be in your heart. So the reason why we have difficult fellowshipping The reason why we have difficult uniting together, connecting, because a true connection, true unity requires my heart to connect with yours. And if you don't have room in your heart for me, then we can't connect. If you don't have room in your heart for me, then we can't connect. What we're doing is just passing each other, pretending again that we're doing what we're supposed to, but not really living it out. Colossians right here talks about putting this on putting on the behavior of God like a blanket. So put it on and exercise yourself in this fashion because it's going to be vital for your survival that we actually love each other with a real love, with a true love that makes everything work out fine. John 17 and 23, and I'm closing with this. It says... I'm not only praying for them, but also for those who believe in me, who because of them and their witness about me, the goal is for all of them to become one heart, one mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they might be one heart and one mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. 
and the same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they will be as unified and together as we are. I and them and you and me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you sent me and that you love them in the same way that you love me. The end goal here is for the church to be united together, connected heart to heart, just like God and the Father are one. The church and the people should be connected as one. And when the church connects as one, this shows as evidence to the world that there really is such a thing as love. That there really is such a thing as God's love. As there really is such a thing as God's love for you in this world. So let's just think right now, are we connected like that? Are we unified the way God, the Father, and the Son are connected? And if not, what do we have to do to fix that? So throughout this week, when you talk about your interactions, when you, when you talk to your folks at work, when, you, when you're driving down the road, when you're in the store, when, it, when, it, when you're getting your coffee in the morning, whatever it is that you do, I said, I want all of my actions to bear witness that God loves me and that he, in turn, loves them. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Text keyword RWOLFC to 77977 or through our free app. Search RWOLFC in the App Store. For more information, visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events.